to the Trees and Nylon podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Gorp. I'm your host, Trees and Nylon. You can call me Trees. And I'm joined today by a very special guest. It is the brand manager, or as some people like to say, the brand engagement manager for Snow Peak US, uh, Mike Anderson. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into everything, I've done a little bit of explaining, but I'd like for you to explain a little bit what brand manager means and what Snow Peak means to you. Um, and then we can get into the meat and potatoes of it all. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, shout out Snow Peak UK. I love the whole squad over there. Mm-hmm. They're doing uh, some good work for the organization. Uh, but but for me, uh, talking about my role, so as the brand manager, uh, my department oversees the creative communications uh, and engagement uh, strategy at Snow Peak USA. So um, everything from our our social and public relations sphere to uh, email marketing, uh, content production, basically all the creative stuff that gets filtered out through our marketing channels and mm-hmm. uh, through our events. Uh, my department um, is creating all that magic uh, over here in Portland. So it's, nice. it's a really great space to be. You know, we got a lot of uh, we get a lot of fun opportunities to tell fun stories, and luckily, Snow Peak is a brand that has a rich heritage and a lot of stories to tell. So there's definitely no, um, uh, there's no shortage of, of Canon to pull from. Nice. Nice. Um, something, this is just for me to know something, and we'll touch on it later also, or maybe we'll just talk about it now. Um, something that Emily talked about that they do is the snow peak ways. Has there ever been a snow peak way in the U S or is yeah, there one plan yeah, that you can talk about? I haven't heard about it. I mean, I live in the East, so I don't know yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Snow Peak Way is a big tradition and it's our signature brand moment at Snow Peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan, it was created, I don't know, around 20 years ago as sort of an opportunity and a community building initiative to really connect the people behind the brand with our Snow Peakers. Snow Peakers are what we call our, our customers and our most engaged users. Okay. So Snow Peak Way is basically a three-day camping event where representatives from the brand and our most loyal and connected customers come together for three days of community building, direct engagement, um, demos, activations, brand moments. Um, you know, people Very also come and flex their sounding. setup. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's about it's about an opportunity for folks to come together and like show off their you know they come and flex their setups yeah for sure they're like absolutely check out this curated uh kit that i put together for my tent and tarp combination Mm -hmm. you know here's the amazing food that i'm gonna serve yeah and we all just come together and and just chill out i mean it definitely has its roots in in uh, a type of like corporate feel but in reality there's you're not going to find a more authentic and connected uh engagement run by a brand anywhere mm. in the world. I promise you. Like Snow Peak as a, as a company, we represent mm-hmm. uh camping and we are our users as we say. So, yeah. It's an opportunity for us to sort of um just just really connect in a really meaningful and positive way and talk about camping culture, talk about Snow Peak culture, Snow Peak lifestyle, um and all of those like shared values that we share as as a company and and also as campers. So, um you know, funny enough the first day I joined Snow Peak, which was just over five years ago, um, it was one of my three <laughs> direct responsibilities uh, as a brand manager, and that was um, 
you know, to bring Snow Peak Way to life in the United States. We had never done this type of engagement before. And it was really one of the first things that I was introduced to um, as a new employee at Snow Peak. So, you know, we've hosted four of them. Um, shout out to 2020. We took that one off because, you know, some things were happening in society. Sick, but, strange uh, things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, we've hosted it both in Oregon and Washington. Um, and we're just coming off the heels of our fourth Snow Peak Way, which took place in uh, the Thai Valley, which is about two and a half hours from Portland, Oregon. Shout out to the Justice and family. Have, they have a beautiful uh, ranch out there where we hosted... Mm. 400 total campers, um, about 325, um, uh, campers from all over the U S. Um, and then around 50 staff were also out. Um, and then we had 25 or 30 various partners, special guests, et cetera. You know, um, it was, uh, it was an incredible time and, and, I feel super blessed at the opportunity to bring that experience to our, our customers and our, our snow peakers here in the U S um, it's really, really deeply connected to the heritage of the brand. And it's such a meaningful thing to share that uh, as a new tradition that we're creating here in North America um, it is just, like I said before, it's one of the most powerful and quote unquote authentic uh, kinds of engagements that you'll find. You know, people are just there to, to cook food, hang out, connect with their friends, connect with their family, connect with one another and, and really just, just go camping for two and a half, three days. It's, it's super dope. Yeah. And I was going to say, you brought it back at the end, which is good. Cause I didn't have to just disregard everything you just mentioned. Um, talking about like on a corporate level, acknowledging who your customer base is and having events like that, I think is really special because you look at another brand, like maybe REI and locally REI, you know, they have their little billboard, like, oh, we're going camping this day. We're going hiking this day. That's a very local effort. It isn't really acknowledged on like a corporate level of like, this is the REI camp out this year, you know, it's, and for Snow Peak, you do have like, this is the Snow Peak way. Like this is a Snow Peak camping trip. I think that's something that's very cool. Cause you kind of keep it. Um, I don't know. It seems like the brand message or values translate to the whole company and show at the top, which is really awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that point of view. You know, Snow Peak is in our essence, we are a, camping brand from japan and the Mm -hmm. most important part about camping is camping for us it's not about (laughs) camping and hiking or camping and Mm -hmm. fishing or camping and mountain biking yeah for us it's about like really coming together unwinding in nature Mm -hmm. flexing your dope setup exactly um, sharing some some food and, and uh you know food and good times with your community so like for us that's the paramount focus of the event and it's it's really the focus of the brand is to to bring people together and, mm-hmm. and just unwind. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Um, I guess we can get into the actual show Yo, now. Uh, would you like to start with trees or nylon? Mm, Which one? This is, this is the question. Let's, uh, let's start with trees. Okay. Start with trees. And for anyone I think who I, might I not come know from nylon, so trees is good. Let's start with trees. That's, good. That's very good. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, we will be working through a past, present and future progression with both topics, trees and nylon. So we're going to start with trees and we'll start with, uh, tell me a little bit about getting outside as a youngin growing up. Did you, were you surrounded by nature? Were you not surrounded by nature? What was the situation like? Well, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. So I think okay. like my orientation and relationship with nature has always been like right outside my back door or my, yeah. my front door or, or whatever. Blessed, truly. 
Yeah, totally. But, you know, I think in terms of like a traditional outdoor, I kind of grew up in a non-traditional outdoor world where, you know, I grew up going skiing and snowboarding and spending lots and lots of time at Mount Hood. Um, Mm -hmm. As I got older, you know, that sort of like passion sort of translated to like skateboarding. You know, I, I think there's a lot of folks that might like quantify some of those activities as outdoor, especially as like the outdoor industry sort of like coalesces around itself and builds more Mm. of a, a point of view about what the outdoor industry represents. But for me, you know, I I really came up spending as much time as I could outside, whether it was at the mountain, whether it was in the forest behind my house, Mm -hmm. um, whether it was skateboarding, you know, all those different things. We didn't really like go camping. It wasn't like a, that wasn't a focal point of, of uh how we oriented ourselves to the outdoors my family um uh you know shout out to my parents um they opened a french restaurant when i before i was born um it's coming up on like their 40 year anniversary for the restaurant so uh, i spent my whole life (laughs) really around the (laughs) kitchen and so my opportunity Uh to get outdoors was like when my parents wanted to get away from like the city and get away from like having to work like 100 hour weeks or whatever so you know, like that always meant like my dad's passion for skiing or fishing, um, you know, or cooking. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, really, when I was growing up, it was all about just like going skiing, going snowboarding. I did that stuff all through middle school and high school and into college. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I really went camping a lot. You know, um, it's kind of sacrilegious being at this role for a <laughs> camping brand, but I probably went camping like five times before I turned 21, you know, okay. like that's kind of crazy, but you know, I think there was still a deep love and appreciation of the outdoors, which I think has yeah. always been a part of my like outlook. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, I think today it's, I've definitely garnered a much deeper appreciation of the outdoors and a lot of the values, um, mm-hmm. and quality it brings to, both my life and my family's life and, and for folks all over, it's, it's a really important thing. Um, it's something to be treasured and that opportunity to have access to those spaces are not something that everybody has. So, you know, I think for me, it was by choice and for others, it's not always by choice, but I think Mm -hmm. either way, um, um, it's always something that, uh, uh, it's something that I love. Didn't get to spend a lot of time doing in a traditional quote unquote, like outdoorsy way. But yeah, my mm-hmm. appreciation and relationship to the outdoors has always been a meaningful one, no matter what I've, what activities I've been participating in. Um, yeah. I, th- at the I think that, I think that for a lot of people, like I didn't go camping. I went camping a, a couple of times, honestly, probably as many as you before I turned 21. Like you said, five times, probably about that much. My dad would take me to Amicola Falls, which is just like local state park every Labor Day. We just go up there. We'd spend two days there. Um, when I was growing up, cause he really wanted me to do boy scouts and I really didn't want to do boy scouts. So he was like trying to push yeah. me in that direction, um, which I didn't end up doing. And now he looks back on it cause I am going camping a lot. And he's like, you know, damn it, man. I just wish we had done that when we, I could have shown you everything. I could have bought you cool gear and now you're paying for it and look at that. So it's, you know, it's whatever. But, um, I also, you know, I spent my whole childhood going outside, just like out in my backyard, neighbor's backyard, playing soccer, playing sports and all that. And there is just kind of that subtle appreciation for nature that you get i think when you do that kind of stuff where you know you don't spend your whole life inside playing video games you know because i do i did have friends that did that where they didn't really play sports they didn't really do anything and they just kind of 
played video games or had like hobbies that didn't include the outdoors. And I don't think they have that same appreciation for nature that I do because of that, or maybe they didn't grow into it as much growing up. Um, and then, you know, it translates very easily to, Oh, now that I can go camping and I can't go hiking, I have like the money to afford to be able to do all this stuff, like, like uh, backpacking and mountain biking, you can actually go do it. And I think that's very, it's a cool opportunity to have. Yeah, totally. I feel that. Yeah, you know, uh, it was like, instead of going and doing like warm weather things, we would like drive to Whistler mm -hmm. and like, we would go like mountain biking and skiing, like up on the glacier and stuff like that. And like, that was my idea of like outdoor sports. And like, yeah. in retrospect, like that's <laughs> an incredibly privileged thing to be, have been able to do as a uh -huh. like 14 or 15 year old. Yeah. But also it was, you know, I mean, I, I can't say there were, uh, I knew a lot of people doing that stuff other than like me and my friends back mm -hmm. in the day with my parents, you know, so they gave us that opportunity and they worked hard for it. And, uh, you know, now I, uh, try to do as much as I can to let other people's experience, uh, nature in the simplest way possible, you know, mm -hmm. and, and getting outside no matter what, like you said, it's, it's a meaningful and, uh, things can be subtle and they can be not so subtle, but either way, I think it's, um, uh, finding that time to connect with nature is probably what's, which what more people need to prioritize in their lives, you know? Yeah. Whatever, whatever think, way you find your way there. I think, um, there's only one person I've ever known who hasn't just enjoyed being outside. And it's that one person that in the previous field mag episode, they were like, whenever I'm taken out of a densely populated area, I start to cry and I have a breakdown or whatever. Um, it was like a Reddit post that someone made about that. And they were like, I can't leave the city. I feel alone. It was, it was very strange. And I think that's, a, that's an outlier. Most people, almost everyone else that I know is like when they're in nature, doesn't matter if they've been hiking before, came before anything, they just enjoy being outside away from, you know, society, essentially, you know, they're on a hike, they're looking at a view. I don't know many people that aren't going to appreciate like a nice view of a mountain. Yeah, totally. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, you also kind of, you have talked a little bit about what you do now. What's your schedule looking like for just like getting outside these days? Well, you know, we got, um, I have a, a growing family. We have two little boys. Congratulations. Um, shout out to Augie and Cosmo. Big shout outs. Uh, so, <laughs> a lot of shout outs. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, they're three and one and a half. So we're spending a lot of time introducing them to the outdoors. Like we've been nice. trying to get them out to go camping as much as possible. Uh, Cosmo's been to two snow peak ways and Augie's been to one mm. and Augie's the older one. So, you know, Cosmo's <laughs> kind of, he's kind of going after the, after yeah, the yeah. throne there, but <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, my wife is really, really into, um, she's always been really into backpacking and camping. And, um, I think that we, we try to get out as much as we can, but with all of the kids and the dogs and the stuff, you know, cause we have yeah. to have a, we have to have a sick setup when we go camping. <laughs> <laughs> that uh it's a lot of work and and we're learning yeah. how to do it and orient our family around spending meaningful time outside mm -hmm. um so you know every weekend we're getting out to you know the coast or the mountain or sabi's island and when we're not just like spending time in nature for the day we're definitely trying to go camping or take them hiking or mm -hmm. just expose them to as much of the natural beauty of of the pacific northwest as we can because you know they have been blessed with a great opportunity to be able to be um, brought up in around all of this natural beauty. And, um, we want to do everything we can to make sure that they, they get to experience it. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, like I said, there's, there's not a lot of time between <laughs> family and nap times and bedtimes and oh, preschool. Yeah. And, I can understand, but, but, you know, um, 
when there's meaningful opportunities, we take them. And then, and then of course for work, I get to go camping and travel a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think next year, um, probably be camping even more. <laughs> Got a lot of plans to do more camping, but you know, we go Very nice. once or twice a month as a department wow. and we shoot content and, you know, just do what we can to get outside and, and sort of, yeah, you know, we don't want to, it's not a farce. It's, it's an authentic thing. It's like us in these photos living this, this camping, mm-hmm. ca- living these camping scenes, doing the snow peak lifestyle. Um, so you know, it's as much as we possibly can. And, and luckily I work for a camping brand. So that means <laughs> makes it a little bit easier. You know? possible, <laughs> we should do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You want to be living that life. Just like you said, yep. which is something I think is very important, especially if you're hosting all the camping events, you don't want to be sitting there struggling to put up a tent and uh, everyone's looking at you funny. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. true. I think or I like can, me. Uh, I got this. I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> no, my friend, listen to this. My, I have two experiences with snow peak, I guess with snow peak products. Um, the first one is I have some mugs and like a spork and stuff, which I use for camping, which are great. I love them. My friend, however, gave me his parents, um, are from Japan and they moved back to Japan. And when they left, they just, you know, left a bunch of stuff here. One of them, one of the items was a snow peak tarp. I believe it's a tarp. And, um, he's like, Hey, do you want an any like snow peak and camping and all that? So I took it off of him and I tried to set it up and I could not for the life of me figure out how to set this thing up. So I just sat in my front yard with tarp laid out. All these rods are allowing me like, what am I doing wrong? And so I've had two experiences. One of them um, is going to be a learning experience. Uh, the other one was great though. I mean, uh, snow peak stuff is great besides that. And I'll, obviously I went to um, first camp in the UK and um experience that and i got to see you know the snow peak tents out in the wild and all the cooking gear being used and it was a really really cool experience and it pushed me i'm thinking i'm thinking a cutting board might be in order maybe some knives i don't know i have big dreams now after seeing all that yeah for sure you know when you get to see the stuff in person and 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 exists with it in its yeah. like natural habitat so to say i think the power of the product design and its intentionality is something that it unlocks um um how do i say this it's a lot better in person when you get to see how it works and lives together with the other products you know mm-hmm. like a snow peak thing is great on its own but a snow peak thing surrounded by other snow peak things is a meaningful is a meaningful experience that allows you to more intimately connect and get comfortable and cook food and relax and just sort of disconnect, which is w- what we want from people. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I feel that, but setting them up, if you don't have experience, that can be a cluster for sure. So <laughs> yes, I think that's, uh, yes. that's definitely on us to try and help you make that experience easier. And Oh no, it's okay. Know. I don't, I didn't get an instruction book. I literally just got two bags. One had the tarp in it, one had the rods in it. He said, here you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I believe that too, but you know, yeah. if you had the instruction manual, it was probably going to be in Japanese. So that's true. It most likely would have been in Japanese, yeah. seeing as how they probably bought it over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, maybe I would have made, he could have translated it for me. He speaks Japanese. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. it, it could have worked out, but it's all good. I'll figure it out eventually. It's sitting in the back of my car for now. Um, well, very nice. Yeah. Something else I wanted to touch on with the, you're talking about like all the Snow Peak items, like with each other is a very pleasing experience, very aesthetically pleasing. They all function really well with each other. They all have like little, little, like you can stack all the trays on top of each other, little stuff like that. That's just nice, um, ease of life type stuff. 
also uh, just like the snow peak way of camping. I think for most people, when they think of camping, especially here in the US, they think of the like rugged AT hiking for eight days in a row, backpacking type of camping. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there is that. And also, okay, when I was growing up, sorry to interrupt my own story, but there was like that rugged backpacking camping. And then there was the like state park camping that I did with my dad, which is kind of like, oh, it's just nothing. You just have a tent and you just like walk around the waterfall and stuff. Um, and there exists in between that, this very nice, like um, relaxing, aesthetically pleasing, well, maybe if I can say the word bougie, I'll say the word bougie here. Um, <laughs> snow peak way of camping where it's, you know, you have the nice gear, it's very relaxed and you have the fire pit in front of you, just chilling by the fire. Um, I think Emily said something like taking the living room outdoors, um, which I think was a really good way to put it of you can still relax and have this amazing experience with your friends and family, but it's just outside instead. I think that's a nice place where maybe people don't know about that. And that's a good way to get involved in the outdoors if they're not, if they're not already. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. You know, we call it the, the snow peak system layout, right. Where like Mm. the, the, uh, it's like a system of designs that are meant to coexist together. And like this table is meant to go with this chair at this specific Mm. height and next to this cooking system and, and what have you. And I think like by creating this cohesive system, it allows you to, it, it, allows you to focus on the connections that you're making with your friends and your family and your community. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be bougie and it doesn't have to be, (laughs) um, luxurious or glamping in its orientation. All it takes is the, um, the intention of creating a space which amplifies your experience and allows you to connect with nature and connect with your community that I think is important for us and which is best exemplified by our products living together with one another. You don't got like a neon chair and like a table that's the wrong size and like this fire pit <laughs> and like a blue tarp and like an orange, you know, it's like, it's yeah. a bunch of stuff that subtly fits together and it allows mm-hmm. you to focus on you and that moment and allows you to be present without being distracted by the design or like the flair of your kit, you know? Yeah, It's more exactly. impactful than you, th- than, than you realize when you're in the moment, you know? No, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Something about the the mind, like in cohesion, like that, the brain. Yeah. Right. That's why our stuff is brown or white or tan Mm. or gray. It's not flash orange and camo and (laughs) whatever. That'd be sick though. Let's get, let's get a snow peak camo (laughs) mug. Yeah, exactly. We got some all over print patterns we can toss on there, but they look better as a, maybe the liner of a jacket or a, um, or uh uh what's a wallpaper mm-hmm. we have this crazy all over print in our headquarters here in portland that's like a mm. it's like a, an art of like a bunch of scenes and we like mm. it was from like a shirt from like five years ago or like a jacket and we blew it up and it's a huge <laughs> like wall in our operations core and it kind of looks like that scene in garden state where he like the sh- wears the shirt his mom made and he leans up against mm. the the like the bathroom and it's like the same pattern <laughs> anyways that's what wonderful. Advice, yeah. wonderful yeah i'm thinking so like mirroring the gucci north face collab we just take like the snow peak logo <laughs> and make like a giant like neon yeah. yellow and then like brown and we do like the brown logo just like make a giant tent like that i think that'll sell really Fire. well yeah just we throw it in the middle of the campsite i mean all the attention will be drawn to that it'll yeah, be exactly. gone in like go. two hours though someone's gonna lift that <laughs> for sure oh my gosh yeah <laughs> 
All right, sweet. Um, let's move on to the future of trees now. I mean, you've talked a little bit about plans for the future, getting outside a little bit more. Is there anywhere or anything that you'd like to see anytime in the future? It doesn't have to be next year. It doesn't have to be the year after that. Um, countries, parks, anything like that. Oh God, what would I like to see? I would love to see an international airplane someday again. You know, we had kids and it was 2019 and then March, 2020 happened. And like, we Uh didn't leave our house basically for like a year. And now we're trying to figure out how to like the furthest I've been with my family is like Arizona, which is like a two hour flight from Portland. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think the things I would like to see, uh, you know, we want to go back to Europe. I want to go back to Japan and hang out with my colleagues and go camping there because it's insane to go camping in Japan with other snow people, folks from Japan. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I just want to see, um, I would love to see just like the travel return, return to my life a little yeah. bit more in a way that allows me to bring my family along for the experiences and, and mm. yeah, just really re- rekindle that like wanderlust that was such a big part of my life. Mm. Um, um, you know, and I want to be able to share that with other people. I want to share that with my yeah, family. I want to be able to have those experiences with my kids. That's really the most important thing, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like figuring out how to create opportunities for my family and for myself and, and allow them to see the world and get the same opportunities that I had and the privileges that I had growing up, um, and being a, a, a part of the menswear industry and the outdoor industry and the industry of the world (laughs) just being able to show everybody all the cool stuff that is everywhere and allow that to um have an effect on their point of view you know so that they know that the world is bigger than their house or their block or their street or whatever nice nice is there any country we'll say international country that uh you haven't been to that you'd like to go to oh i mean definitely um I really want to go to the UK. Okay. You've never uh, been. No, I've never been. I've, wow. I have been to a few places in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that um, going over to like England and, and checking out Scotland and Wales and all those other pi- parts of the big island would be super dope. I think like from a futuristic, um, maybe more... Um, maybe a little bit cooler me i think like i definitely want to go explore south korea Mm. um that seems really cool i think checking out different parts of china would be really really interesting Mm -hmm. i love um you know i I, my mom's filipino so like like i grew up going all over southeast asia when she would go back and i remember seeing all these things when i was growing up and not really getting an opportunity to like fully connect with the environments that i was in but i think being able to go back and like check out a lot more of um that like hyper um den the density of southeast asia is something that i would Mm. like to explore um the food the culture the smells the just the people i think that's really really interesting thing that i would love to see more um so yeah for sure i think either southeast asia or more places in in europe i know uh, the uk is not in europe anymore but you know (laughs) you can revisionist history this still is yeah, 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 there you go. That's good. Um, well, very nice. Uh, anything else that you'd like to say about trees? No, I think that's it. I think I said my part. 
<laughs> cool. <laughs> Very nice. We can move on now to the nylon section. Uh, tell me a little Same. bit. First, let's talk about how would you describe your style nowadays, except don't use the words um, all snow peak. How would you describe using like orb that ends with core? How would you describe it? <laughs> um, I would call it norm tech dad core. Oh, okay. All righty. Now explain that to me. I think it comes from a fascination of growing up as a part of skateboarding it evolving into like early street culture internet culture mm -hmm. and then as i grew older an appreciation for more contemporary i don't want to say like streetwear but just like you can say it. it's okay it's a dirty fashion. word but we can say it here <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure i think the amalgamation of all those things plus the democratization of internet of mm -hmm. uh, the democratization of information through the internet um means that we're in a place where like nothing really feels sacred and it's all interconnected and it's all influenced or appropriated mm -hmm. or like whatever yeah. you want to slice it up but I, I think for me like that mix of high and low with um uh utility and function are, are really important for me um it's like it's like all of the stuff you need and none of the stuff you don't, but the stuff hmm. that you have is like, it's like the sickest textile you could find. It's interesting. It's got texture. It's got like personality and not in a like wabi sabi way, but in a like intentional kind of mm -hmm. way. And and I think in the past, I've probably been all sorts, all slices of those different things. But I think for me now, it's like functional clothes that fit my life. And my life is, I am a dad that goes camping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Comfortable, thick shoes, wide ass pants, and a Hell sick yeah. jacket. Yeah, I think okay. that's probably the that's probably the kit most of the time. Probably way too many shoes. We have a one for one rule in our house, and okay. with the two little kids is getting bad. So it's like I get a pair of shoes, Caitlin gets a pair of shoes, and then we pick up two pairs of shoes for the kids. Oh. Like we were just, oh, wow. yes, yeah, bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about your influences. Let's go back a little bit. Talk about how you got started in this whole, dare we say, streetwear world. Um, how, did, how did it all start for you? Mm, I probably started with skateboarding. And when I was in middle school, just like running through Makes shoes. Sense. <laughs> right. And that sort of like evolved as we like hung out with, you know, my friend's older brothers or whatever. And mm -hmm. they were wearing different kinds of clothes or whatever. And sort of the internet became more of a thing like i'm really old so like when i was a kid people didn't really know how to use like google or like they didn't really know how to use the internet so i think uh coming off of this like fascination for like being able to tap into the internet when i was in high school and like finding my way into like online communities um i was able to sort of like absorb a lot of information at a very early age in my life and this meant mm -hmm. like going on to nike talk when i was in like high school which was god yeah. forbid 20 something years ago and like really getting deep into sneaker culture at a time when like that wasn't a thing this was before like the boom of streetwear in the west and this is like historically this is like nigo was like printing shirts in harajuku and selling them you know with yeah. a monkey on them or, or, or whatever like an ape on them right like yeah. this is before people knew what any of that shit was and it was just like you know we're trying to find and share cool things and at that time it was sneakers and evolved into to you know streetwear and fashion and mm -hmm. the online community started to evolve and that landscape started to change and this is before social media was really the thing like like when i was in college 
my freshman year is when Facebook came out and it was like pretty whack, mm. but it was like kind of a revolution, but like behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, but like behind in the rest of the internet, there were like all of these disparate communities that were co connecting around the democratization of information. So like I was learning about Japanese denim and American workwear and European streetwear and European high fashion and Japanese high fashion and you know, like archival vintage clothing and sneakers and skateboarding and music and like culture. And so it sort of like led me to a group of people that were really interested in all these things. And our common bond was shared around just the, the need of, or the want to learn more about what was out in the world. And so it was mm -hmm. this community called super future and it sort of mm -hmm. had folks from all over the world sort of connecting. And this was like 2000, four or 2005 mm -hmm. and like i was in college and i was just like meeting people from all over the world and they like they were sharing their cool clothes or their cool shoes or like i don't know whatever hmm. so that sort of influenced like my interest in in apparel in emerging trends and the like emergence of all this stuff a few years later the economy started to like bottom out in the u.s you know it's like 2008 or whatever yeah so we're going into the recession and, you know, I was going on in my school career and, you know, I had this opportunity to work for a, um, a, a manufacturing brand here in the United States um, uh, that made like leather goods, leather and canvas goods and bags. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of like eked my way into, I took my like love and connection to community and turned it into a role in menswear, which wasn't really a thing back then. It was like pre-tumbler. But like mm. being able to just like talk and understand and know clothes and understand the references of like where things came from and like why this is this way and why that is that way and like why a union special chain stitch is interesting and why like a whatever right mm -hmm. so i think like that sort of like led me into this world of uh appreciating clothes from all different regions or sources and sort of um entering the marketplace where i had an opportunity to sort of start like connecting with people around like this subculture of clothing and workwear and all this stuff and it sort of just continued to evolve and honestly that's why i ended up at snow peak i worked at mm -hmm. a menswear brand for 10 years and i met all these people across all of the different communities including people at snow peak mm -hmm. and then as my time at um that last brand was coming to an end I was in search of a next opportunity to be able to like have a say or share a point of view around a brand and its heritage. Cause that's what I knew. It was like, it, you know, I knew how to, how to share um, a brand story with folks at a time when like social media was emerging and brand mm -hmm. marketing was emerging as like a thing and people were using you know, all these different ways of connecting with one another and, and communicating through all these different platforms. And so it led me to Snowpeak, which was a really incredible opportunity and um, allowed me this chance to to do something else with clothes. And, and it really started with clothes. Like I, mm -hmm. I joined Snowpeak because like we had just dropped our first few apparel collections and I was like, oh, this is like really sick stuff. And I appreciate it. I see the references. I understand like the the fabrics and the finishes and, and all this stuff. And, and my appreciation of it as a camping brand was super disconnected from where our values really sat as a mm -hmm. company. So that's sort of like my convoluted journey through the internet mm -hmm. to find my way at Snow Peak. <laughs>
Nice. I don't um, even remember what your question was anymore. My but... question was just how you got started. And all. then you gave me, you gave me the whole, the whole backstory, which is good. Um, I'm going to dive into some more specifics now. What were like some brands you mentioned, like bathing ape just starting. What were some other brands that you were like aware of or that you wanted to wear that you saw cool people wearing uh, back when you were just starting it up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like it was like, God, I hate to say this, but it was like <laughs> Supreme was like impossible to find. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's the thing that that like they're wearing in the movie Kids, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I remember watching that coming up because like my friend's older brothers were watching it. And mm-hmm. we were like, oh, this is they were like, this is New York skateboarding. Like, this is what it's like. And they're like, this movie kind of represents like this cultural shift. And mm-hmm. so like being able to see stuff like that. But it was also like Rick Owens, you know, and mm-hmm. like like samurai denim i mean this is like 2008 yeah. you know this is not streetwear this is like the this is like this coming off of like what street rose i guess i knew about supreme but it was a, it was a little bit different in those early mm-hmm. those early to mid aught days yeah i think it was like a lot of like japanese brands that i was really attracted to and okay. you know it was i guess it started in sort of like the the like replica remake like repro like reproduction kind of stuff so like mm-hmm. uh like levi's vintage collection and post all alls and you know all those like quote unquote like heritage japanese manufacturing brands like buzz yeah. Rickson and and all that stuff like thinking all of these like remade americana things were really really interesting and super cool at a time when like people didn't have any appreciation for anything like they didn't know what a fucking river was i don't know what salvage denim is but like uh-huh. these brands were like buying the original machines and they were like quote unquote making the real mccoy of like this officer chino from like the 40s you know like to yeah. me that was really cool to have this hyper intentionality and the super specific sourcing of materials and manufacturing methods like seeing those things come together um, I think was, a, a, gave me a deep fascination around just like the attention to detail that came from a lot of these Japanese brands. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, I guess a lot of those like reproduction Japanese brands were really interesting to me. Sweet. Um, yeah. Awesome. And now moving on, what are some brands say, what are some brands that you like now? Oh yeah, for sure. Of course. Okay, cool. Good. I, would, I, would I have to think about, I have to think about yeah. it, you know, like what are the brands that I'm really geeked on right now? Hmm. you know <laughs> i don't know if i'm like always been ge- i i don't i i mean i guess i'm always into like these certain brands like i'm always really into our legacy been a big fan mm. of our legacy always a fan okay. of this one always a fan of engineered garments all the stuff that daiki does with with nepenthes is always super cool mm-hmm. and but that's stuff like i've been into for like 10 years or Forever, i don't know yes. longer at this point like what are new brands that i'm into i don't know hmm. it seems like i'm either wearing like or like aspiring to buy something really aspirational or i'm wearing like a graphic tee that my homie put together that's <laughs> just like a a riff off of a skate thing from when we were kids or like a band or like a sports thing you know mm-hmm. yeah i don't know um, i think like i don't know if that's specific ahead. enough no, that's good. That's a good answer. I have a question since you've been around this longer than I have. Um, and growing up, I didn't really care about clothes until like 2015, 2016. And so yeah. that was like right as Supreme, at least the way I saw it. Supreme was like right at its peak. Streetwear was like right at its peak, like 
ultra boost with the biggest thing in the world the fear of god wave oh, yeah. it just ended um like sneaker con was the biggest event of the year for me like it was, it was that era you know full streetwear resale era um yeah and i didn't pay attention to stussy and now that i'm a little bit more mature i pay attention to that brand a lot more what what was their reputation like in your eyes as you were growing up I saw some people tripping out on Twitter the other day because they like the audacity of Stussy to try and reclaw their way back into skateboarding is an incredible thing. And uh-huh. like to me, I think when I grew up, Stussy was like a non, it was like a non thing. Like I grew up uh-huh. as like a, we watched videos and we were into like shorties and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, stuff that we found in CCS and like Chad yeah. Muska and stuff. Like this is before like Tony Hawk and shit, you know, like that's mm-hmm. sort of just the generation I grew up. And so for me, I think Stussy was always relevant to me as a streetwear brand, probably because of the adjacency to like sneaker culture. Yeah. And also like the beacons of sneaker culture culture in the early aughts and the late nineties that were connected to like places on the West East and West coast. So like mm-hmm. a San Francisco, like they always got the Stussy chapter, like LA, like that's important to skateboarding. Their Stussy was something that was connected to LA culture, you know, like mm-hmm. um, I, I think for me, it was always really, really connected to just like streetwear culture. And then yeah. I think like as things have evolved over time, I think like their credibility in the space is really, really broad. And so I would argue that Stussy has the equity to to play in whatever space it chooses because of its influence on culture and streetwear culture and mm-hmm. um, like alternative cultures for what, like 30 some years. Like mm-hmm. I think... I think the, that their point of view is probably so manifested around just being connected to youth culture, whatever that may be, that, you know, Stussy is a thing that they can play wherever they want. And I think they get a pass because of their history, even though they went through that whole sellout phase and you now Sean Stussy's not a part of it or whatever. But uh-huh. yeah, to me, it's like, they're cool. They're like, they're not like core for like skateboarding or streetwear, mm. but they sort of are in this area where they, they are sort of like, they're both high end and low end because of the influence they've had on exactly. the, on culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I grew up, Stussy was like a PacSun brand, you know, with like, just like a totally. logo tee. And then I go on the explore page and I see everyone and their mom wearing that like sweater that like that the the s spiral sweater and it looks sick and i want one you know and it's like they can exist on both ends of the spectrum like you just said it's very interesting to me so i've just it's something that i've been paying a little bit more attention attention to and um just wanted to get your take on that that's just for me that's not for anyone else (laughs) no that's okay that's cool yeah yeah. i'm I'm down awesome um i guess we can move on to the future now uh tell me a little bit about some trends you'd like to see maybe or where you see like fashion maybe trending to if you pay attention to that kind of stuff yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know about fashion these days, but I think that in terms of like trends, I think it's probably, um, I would love to see a shift in the calendarization of the endemic mm-hmm. cycle of fashion. Like, mm-hmm. why do we need seasons? Why can't things just be what they are? They're created in a sustainable way. They're distributed in a sustainable way. They are purchased and acquired by people that have an understanding and an appreciation of where the things come from 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like, to me, that's maybe more important to the trends. It's like, it's like finding a way for the industry as a whole. And I don't even know what I mean by the industry, I guess, like (laughs) fashion, fashion is so many things to so many different people, right? Like we just talked about how Stussy is high end and low end. Like what Mm -hmm. about people wearing like Balenciaga or like, they don't know anything about Demna. They don't know anything about the house even, right? There's Mm -hmm. the, they don't even know what Maison is. But to them, it's like this thing that's on a pedestal because they saw it on TikTok or whatever, or Instagram or, or whatever. I think that the, the way that the democratization of internet has scaled and now everything is anything to everybody. Like I would love to see intentionality come back and to cut away the barriers of entry and the cyclical nature of the industry and make it a thing that is, is more accessible to folks, but also understood and appreciated by the audiences that made those things what they are today i guess that's not a trend that's just maybe that's just a point of view i have i guess yeah you also mentioned sustainability which i think is a big deal um i think i would like to see a trend towards sustainability i would like to see um more brands move towards like actual green initiatives not like actual greenwashing but actually doing things that are good because there was a whole greenwashing movement and sustainability was a trend not that they were actually doing anything about it but it was a trend to say you were sustainable for a while and i'd like to see other big brands um i mean especially with the patagonia news and what's happening with that obviously that's the biggest commitment you can make is to donate everything to the climate change and you know we live in a society where brands have to make money so at the end of the day it's just that's how it's going to be but I'd love to see more brands that are like making revenue off of the outdoors to be putting more into the outdoors as well, you know? And yeah, I'm not, I'm not bashing Snoopy because I think a good way to get people invested in that is to show them the outdoors, you know, you look at another brand and they, you know, they'll sell hiking shoes or backpacks or whatever, but then it's like, okay, now they can connect with it however they want. But with Snowpeak, you're showing them at these camps, like, this is what our products used for. Here's nature. You can experience it. Here's like, you've never been before. Be about a $300 tent. We can show you how to set it up. Here's some people to talk to about it. Now you can go camping with them later. Like you're fostering that community to help them actually get out there and experience nature. And maybe they'll want to donate to a charity or do something like that in the future. And I think that's, you know, it's like a good way to start basically. Yeah, totally. I think that's true. And shifting the the cycle of the industry to create so many seasonal collections that are getting pre-booked and then manufactured. And like, I think it's not easy and it's an aspiration, but as a society, we should be working together to find more ways to create uh, less waste and produce things Mm -hmm. that people need or want and not just stuff that's going to end up in a landfill or like end up in some unforsaken place that didn't deserve somebody else's trash you know i think that's really important and so like upcycling and reusing things are really really important but it takes more than that right it takes Mm -hmm. a knowledgeable consumer it takes a brand who holds their values accountable and holds their own actions accountable and it takes it takes people from all over to make a difference and it's not easy and it's it's a difficult thing and it's a Mm -hmm. difficult obstacle for us to face as a society and as a race but that's just that is what it is you know we gotta be less wasteful we gotta care more about what we're putting out and 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 what we're what we're getting out of this this place i mean that's something i've preached before as well just you know i have two rain jackets a heavy one and a light one that's really all i need i don't really need much more and i think that especially like in this 
strange outdoor influencer space that's a little bit like oxymoronic to reside in, you know, where it's like you care about nature, but also you're wearing products that directly were made from nature and like a mass volume, right? It's a, it's a strange yep. place to reside in. But I think the best thing to do is either have that sustainability mindset of um, like, you know, it's it was a reuse, it's recycled. I got it from Grailed, I got it from Depop, whatever. Or like I bought one jacket and I'm good to use it the rest of my life. Like I'm not going to need another jacket unless this one is shredded um, sometime. You know what I mean? And even then you could patch it back up at some point. So I think it's just a nice mindset to have and uh, more people could benefit from it and brands, you know? Yeah. Buy for life, you know, mm-hmm, I, exactly. I don't need, uh, God forbid, I don't need to buy another pair of shoes. It will probably happen, but I mean, you know, most likely it's, imp- it's <laughs> important not just to one. You're going to be getting to... four. <laughs> That's true. That's so true forever. But taking the things that I do have and making sure that they don't go to waste, that they go to somebody else that has the opportunity to undead stock those sneakers that just been sitting in my closet or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think that's important too, right? How you pass those things along, how they re-enter the the ecosystem or the mm-hmm. cycle of use is important. Yeah. Make sure they don't just end up in a landfill somewhere. Yeah, totally. Make sure somebody's rocking those, you know? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the future of nylon or any questions you have for me? Mm. No, I don't think so. But I do enjoy the question and answer format. So if there are other questions you have for me, I would love to hear them. <laughs> okay, I do have one. I wrote it down as we started. When are you going to open Atlanta store? Oh my gosh. Start of the AT? Uh, Come on, it's right there. What do you oh, do? What do you, you're, oh you're missing out on a opportunity here, man. <laughs> I think like, uh, you know, Snow Peak and our um, retail expansion um, is definitely going to, um, it's definitely going to be a thing, right? Like we definitely are excited Mm -hmm. to open up more retail locations across the country and we're doing it, we're going to do it in meaningful and intentional ways. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as we're able to share how that part of our business is going to evolve, we'll be sure to connect uh, with folks and, and make sure that the information is known so that people can get excited and, and we can cool. connect with our communities, whether they're, you know, here on the West coast in the Midwest or in Atlanta, you know, nice. Well, you, you have my information so. no matter where we are. So, Oh yeah, I got you, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, there's that. Let me see if I can, I can cook up another good question for you. Oh, here's one. Um, what is something that something doesn't make? that you wish that they made could be apparel or, um, gear. Mm, I think I wish that we made a cast iron pan that was manufactured in Niigata where our other cast iron goods are manufactured. Mm -hmm. We make, we come from, um, Tsubami Sanjo, which is an artisanal metal smithing traditional, they used to make samurai swords right and then they made climbing equipment and they make all sorts of stuff like the region where snow beak is born specializes in metalwork um and as a gathering camping cooking brand i wish that we had our own just amazing cast iron pans we have really Mm -hmm. really lovely pans um and i love cooking with them but i think uh, having something that's cast iron um, that's a, that's an actual pan would <laughs> really be something that I would love. So mm-hmm. 
I was thinking about that earlier in the conversation. I've been cooking with a cast iron a lot recently in this past few weeks. And I was just thinking, does Snow Peak make a cast iron? Because I wanted to say it when I was saying like things that are on the menu for me to on my wish list, right? And I, I wasn't sure if you made one or not. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I think we used to. And then mm-hmm. um it just sort of fell out of uh fell out of the line before I joined. And we haven't mm. we've had other things. It's not exactly like I mean it's it's uh a lot of the pans that we have are a little bit more utility in that they like are compact and they can pack up and they're a little bit more lightweight and like cast iron is like pretty heavy duty bulletproof kind of material story so mm-hmm. um yeah i would love to see that we of course we have other cast iron stuff we don't have like a pan with a handle we have like a dutch oven and like a you know like these little like capsule pots mm-hmm. and stuff which i love love to cook with them but but having like a traditional cast iron i think would be super awesome yeah nice nice um next question what's been your favorite experience at a snow peak way or snow peak event that'll be my last question for you oh i think i think nothing will probably ever match the feeling i had when I hosted the first Snow Peak Way in the US and I was able to connect with people from all over the country mm-hmm. who were so passionate about the brand and had such a deeper connection to it than I did because I was new to mm-hmm. the company and I didn't really have a full contextualization of, of how snow how people connect with uh, connect with the brand in such a meaningful way. So mm-hmm. I think like Literally that first Snow Peak way, I literally invited like whatever, all of these folks. And then I literally set up a phone call to like talk through what the event was about because mm. I wanted to make sure that everybody knew what, like <laughs> I wanted the expectations to be shared for what the experience was going to hold for everybody. And yeah. so we set up like 95 conference calls wow. <laughs> with all these people that were coming just so that I could talk to them about like, Hey, uh-huh. you know. I know that you love snow peak and this is a new kind of thing that we're bringing to the U S and I just wanted to talk through with you what it's going to be. And this is what we're going to do. And you know, it's pretty much free. You come, we're going to offer all these experiences. We just want to like hang out with the community. Yeah. And by golly, they came from Texas and Florida (laughs) and New York and California and Canada and you know, Chicago, like they came from all over and nobody had ever done anything like this before, especially with Snow Peak in the US. So mm-hmm. then getting there on that first night and being able to just like connect and be like, oh, like this is so-and-so from Colorado and like this is so-and-so from New York and just be like, oh, this is really, really great to meet all you. It was so like indicative of the, of the, the power of the community that I was Mm-hmm. just wading into right and it, it makes up so much of what makes snow peak special um i don't think anything will really match that first year and that first time that i had to connect with all those people because like they still come to snow peak way today they're still they're still snow peakers in our eyes and they're still some of our most engaged folks and i think a lot of it really started with like that outreach from the brand to, to let them know that that we heard them we we loved them and we wanted to connect with them and it was you know it was uh it was a meaningful experience and this was coming off of I had to go to Japan to experience Mm -hmm. Snow Peak in Japan to understand what the hell I was doing anyways. (laughs) So it was like, I went and experienced this like deeply rooted tradition that was two decades old and then translated that for a U.S. audience. And, Mm. and I think that was, it was a really, really special thing for me. And it made me appreciate the brand and our values in a way that I didn't see coming. 
and it made it so that Snow Peak was a place that I actually cared about and wanted to work at and wanted to grow with. So awesome. Hey, that's, that's a beautiful last answer. Um, very wholesome of you. Uh, well, Michael, Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. I, uh, I had a great time. Awesome. Um, is there any shout out you'd like to give? Where can people find you or any, any snow peak related, anything you'd like to do? It's, you know, it's a podcast tradition. I got to ask someone like that at the end. So <laughs> I don't need to plug anything on my end, but awesome. you know, hit up snowpeak.com. You'll see the work of my team. They're incredibly passionate, creative, wonderful people. Um, and, you know, shout out to my whole snow peak team, to be honest there. We have some of the, the coolest people in the industry, some of the most passionate folks, and they've all come together around this, this like uh, the power of this brand. And, and I think their hard work uh, should be acknowledged more often. So yeah, check out what we do. And if you haven't seen Snow Peak before, now's the time. Now's the time. Awesome. Well, again, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and I'll talk to you later, my man. All right. Thank you so much. All right. See you. Peace.